There we go with the John Curley Sherry Ellicott Show. There's Teeny over there. She can't wait to hear from you. You can write to us at MartinNorthwest.com. Coming in to the Muckleshoe Casino Resort text line. one 973 Oh, Teeny. I know. No big deal. Sherry, two weeks from now, big things are going to be happening in Teeny's employment. Time to get in the Wow. Never heard that before. Hang on, girl. All right, on Friday, when we had heard that there was going to be a protest in Olympia, I put out a call. I said, hey, if you're going to the protest, tell us why you're going, why you want to do it, what you get out of it. Love to know more. And I thought, well, no one will respond. But lo and behold, from Yelm, Sherry, that's also where Rampha lives. Carl, who is uh, in, that's right. We talked about Rampa the other day. Yeah, Carl Carl probably has Rampa stories. But you responded to the call. You wrote to Joe and said, hey, listen, I went to the protest. I'll tell you what we're calling for and why we do it. You have a long history of of protesting. You got involved first with the Iraq War protest, Carl. Uh, You've done uh, Black Lives Matter protests as well. And were you there on Saturday in Olympia or protesting recently for the uh, – Yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. sure was. Yeah, I was hoping to see the angelic Kate Stone there, but no, no chance, not this time. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow, wow, look at Carl. All right, so <laughs> let me ask you something. The... Hi, Jeannie. I believe in you. <laughs> All right. She's not, she's not long for this world, Carl. Don't get no, attacked. Hey, sure. she can hear you. All right, hold on. Carl, so it's, explain to me um, the motivation. So, like, when did you decide to get involved with these protests? What was it that said, I'm going to get off the couch there in Yelm, and I'm going to go out there and, and have my voice heard? Well, yeah, I, I grew up as a, as a man of faith, you know, having a very, you know, uh, deep devotion to the, uh, the Gospels, you know. And, um, and then one day I met Ramtha the Enlightened One, and that changed <laughs> my attitude toward a lot of things. Yeah, the irony of hearing you talk about it yesterday. Really? Uh, yeah. So, um, anyway... Um, I decided, you know, um, Armageddon isn't something to look forward to. It's something to be avoided. I mean, that's the best use of prophecy for people who believe mm-hmm. in prophecy. Is yeah. uh, you take some bad information and you do what you can to avoid it, but not in a Greek way, you know, like murdering everybody so that mm-hmm. you know they end up coming and kill you. So yeah, um, yeah that's uh, what can I do? You know, everybody's got their way of making the world a better place, and then there's those mad scientists that want to make it worse. So, and that's so kind of how I view on reality. So you see, uh, I guess when you're when you're marching, do you are you around people that don't believe um, what they're hearing from Israel? Like, what are the people around you protesting for? Are are you also part of the people that are yelling from the river to the sea? Um, you know, that's, a, that, that's a good question. So I've been to two of them, right? And okay. um, yeah. because uh, well, okay, disclosure. I'm married into an Israeli family for 11 years. So okay. now our son has got both Israeli and American citizenship. Uh, but it was miserable. You know, when I hear you, when I've heard you go off on tiffs with, um, um, oh, what's her name? <laughs> anyway, uh, it saves me at the moment. Oh, Rachel Bell. Bell. Whenever I heard you yeah. and Rachel Bell go at it, it's like sounded very vaguely familiar to me. Okay. So um, <laughs> anyway, um yeah, my attitude on this is um, it's it's dangerous, uh, it's a problem, but when you go to rallies anymore, um, it's really about connecting with who you meet up with, you know, because mm-hmm. this one in particular, 
you know, I'll, I'll just give an accolade right now to the police department. They were they were so calm, they were so sincere. I mean, I, I genuinely felt like they were protecting us, honestly. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. I was relieved. So uh, the police has come a long way in change, you know, evolving with the current attitudes about this us versus them mentality that's been going on for so long. Uh, okay. Even a state trooper I saw there, he was of Arabic descent, um, smiling sympathetically to the crowd. Uh, but uh, as far as uh, everyone there, it felt like a funeral march, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. The leaders are mostly of Arabic, you know, persuasion. Um, the River to the Sea, sure, you know, that story goes back a long way about, you know, Palestine wanting independence from Egypt and Syria. Yes. Um, and it's kind of morphed into this uh, rallying cry for this extremist group called Hamas. So, um Anyway, um, yeah, it, it, it was sad. They were people were frightened, but when it came to the rest of us people that weren't specifically, you know, related to Palestinians or Muslim, they kind of felt like we were visitors. But you can go now, you know. And then they mm. went off to have coffee at Starbucks when it was over. So. so, do they do they believe? Do they see Hamas as a terrorist organization? You know, I, it's hard to say. I, I would infer from the majority of the crowd, there were about three to 400 people there um, walking. You know, hardly anybody else was on the road when it was so cold that day. I mean, we're, our hands were carrying signs, and we felt like, you know, dinosaur claws at the end of the march. Yeah. Uh, but we, uh, we um, uh, you know, they were shouting at, you know, hooray for Yemen for turning boats around. And, um, you know, when they'd say Palestine forever, I'd do my best. Andre 2000, forever, ever, forever, ever. You know, that's the great right. thing about Singing along with marching rallies as you can improvise as you go. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, well, the Holocaust is explicitly names other gentlemen. But here's the, here's the question that I and I'll let Trey jump in here, Carl. Uh, we're speaking with Carl, who was I he was kind enough to respond to a request that I had if anybody goes to these protests. So, do they doubt that Hamas uh, on October seventh murdered? Um, I think more than 1,300 Israelis. Did, are, they, are they doubting that? Are they doubting the raping? Are they doubting the hostages? Like, what do they not believe? Um, and yeah. and it, it's because this is where it gets uncomfortable. I think if you're calling for a ceasefire, why wouldn't you call first for the release of those hostages? They still have more than 100 and a number of women as well. The last ceasefire was broken by Hamas when Israel said, release the women. They said, well, release old men. And then Israel said, no, we want the women to be released. And then Hamas started firing rockets again. Uh, do they see right. it this sort of as a, a, there's a terrorist organization and then there's rail, Israelis and there should be peace and they're calling for a ceasefire. Do they sort of forgive Hamas? And see, is Israel is the bad guy in all of this? All right. Well, you know, I that's a, that's a great question. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, the the people who were at this particular march and the one in Seattle, the other one in Seattle, uh, I noticed um, they just they're just afraid. I mean, they're just they're just scared, uh, and they feel like you know the bald eagle is picking at their eyes. I think ultimately, um, they're not. They're just angry, and you know they they kind of mumble along in English, you know, their, their chants don't rhyme when it comes to, uh, when it's just Arabic, they get excited. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's hard to say uh, about who started it, right? Uh, but the others that I know, like um, there were Black Panthers there, Socialist Party people there, 
um, uh, some people from Sahelis uh, tribes, people there. And uh, they're saying, yeah, we just want this to stop because we don't want the, this to escalate out of control. And the next thing is Israel's lobbing a nuke at Iran. And then, oh, well, what are we in for after that? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's it's not really a cohesive group, you know, honestly. Uh, it's mostly just, it's just a grieving. You know, people were, you know, they ran up the Palestinian flag on the flagpole for the Capitol steps, half-mast. Uh, they did uh, their Muslim prayers, which I'd never seen actually in person anybody do mm-hmm. their Muslim prayers. Um, but they're really just grieving and they're mad. And they're all, there's also, you know, with rallies, young men and women that are doing it for credit, you know, cred. And yeah. they get they get the attention of the others. And so, you know, so I went to the leaders. I asked them if they'd be willing to speak or meet, you know, just seeing if they might want to talk to you or somebody. Get the word out. Uh-huh. They were scared. They didn't want to talk. Um, you know, I asked if I could say something. What, what, what are they the, scared of? What, what are, give it, Carl. What, what are they afraid of? They're afraid of, you know, that's, that's a. No, it's not a great question. It's a simple question. Carl, let me, let me ask you this. Some yeah. people believe yeah. that, that standing up for Palestine is synonymous with being anti-Semitic. And is sure. that what they're afraid of? Or it, it, how do they yeah. answer to that? There, it's more. And what I want to say is, it's like it's ancient. I mean, the feeling I get is that they're they're just kind of like reliving the Crusades. You know, I mean, there's just something that the whole world's against them, and somehow they have to reunite their fervor for their God, as if God is testing. It reminds me when during the procession of the species parade, we'd always get these uh, fundamentalist Christians with the big sign saying, you know, don't live in sin, and. I would stop and ask them, I was like, why are you here? We're just here celebrating, like, our favorite animals that aren't extinct because of a, a collective vote. And they wouldn't say anything. Mm-hmm. They, they'd feel like I was, I don't know, trying to tempt them, you know, here, uh-huh. have some candy. And so they would just redouble their efforts and just steer straight ahead, do not make eye contact. And that was kind of the same feeling here, is there's just a general fear of being targeted and hated by the world. Um is kind of basically what I'm getting. As far as anti-Semitic, to your question, Sherry, well, Palestinians are Semitic. I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, I, I don't like how, um, you know, Israel's kind of co-opted the term, the ethnic term anti-Semitic to mean only Israelis. Uh, I, I think that's a bit of Israel propaganda uh, that I, I don't appreciate. Well, you can understand why Jews who have been the most hated group of people on the face of the earth and wanting to be eradicated um, forever. It's part of what Hamas's um, uh, statement is for existence, Iran helping them every step of the way. And when somebody calls for the from the river to the sea, they're talking about the annihilation of the Jewish state and therefore Jews. So I would think the Jews would be more likely to be afraid than those that are marching through the streets of Olympia um, when you're calling for a genocide and you have three individuals from the three, uh, you know, esteemed colleges unable to define what uh, calls of genocide are, I would think the Jews would be more concerned than Arab Americans marching in Olympia. Or while marching <laughs> along, do they ever say anything, Carl, that you're like, I don't really necessarily want to be associated with this group if they're calling for the genocide of the Jewish people? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, but I didn't. I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Expl- I didn't get any of that explicitly. Okay. Uh, so, you know, you know, to to, to be fair. Um, okay. So, but yeah, certainly. And there's always rallies I'm in where I'm like, eh, 
you know. <laughs> so this this rally stuff, uh, Carl, it sounds like this is something that you do uh, regularly. And uh, how important is it to you that the people that are rallying around you, or even for yourself, know the historical context of what these protests are about? They understand the details. It, with with this one in particular, you know the complicated issues that that have been around for decades in the Middle East. It, does that matter, or is it just more of a body count? You just want people there who are like-minded so you get the numbers that you need. You know, that, that's really what it comes to, is that it depends on who's doing it. You know, I, I, I went to some uh, demonstrations with the Rachel Corey Foundation last year, who is, like, to me, a daughter of the city. Um, and uh, if anybody hasn't seen her execution by an Israeli bulldozer, you know, it, it just kind of stands to reason. And the work that her parents have done since then, you know, mm-hmm. these are people that really are endeavoring to, you know, when they do their demonstrations, to have conversations to about education. These marches are real. I mean, again, they're just young men and a young woman who are angry and they're afraid and they're just it's they're just grieving, basically. And they're also mm-hmm. getting uh, cred, and they're congratulating each other when it's over. So and you get uh, you get all kinds, right, to do this kind of thing. Carl, have you ever been involved in a protest that blocks traffic for a long period of time? Um, you know, I wish I was at ninety nine WTO, but I didn't make it. Um, okay. But no, if it if it goes the freeway, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> No will way. you go back out again if there's another protest? You hear about these online. Will you go and be involved in another protest and ask for another ceasefire? Oh, oh, absolutely. And the reason being, again, is because I'm meeting those who are genuinely interested in finding out what their motivations are, where they're coming from, why they're there. And, we, you know, and those of like minds that tend to meet each other in these affairs, um, we're able to get together and, you know, plan on what else we can say that might make a difference toward peace and kind of putting an end to the military industrial complex that seems to have infected Israel and Hamas and, and Washington, D.C. How's the network of, of, of information working? Is that all on social media? How do you know what's happening when? That's a good question. <laughs> well, oh, um, it's, it's really word of mouth, honestly, because people are really... Um, People are really concerned about, uh, you know, all the Edward Snowden revelations about being tracked by the FBI. I, you know, like like your show recently, John, about, uh, you know, the Capital Six riots or, yeah, I don't know, you call it riots, you know. it's It's been going on for a long time, probably for thousands of years, really. There's always agents infiltrating stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's just careful word of mouth and uh, mm-hmm. code words between each other. So not to alert, you know, the... NSA computers to monitor everybody. Sure. Carl from Yelm, I I don't know you, but I'm going to try to sum up as best I possibly can what I I get from you just from these brief 16 minutes on the air. Uh Uh-oh. Here here we go. You ready? I, I think you are a humanitarian in that you understand the pain and suffering that we all have by the existence of our life on this earth. And that you gather up the stories and spend time with people, regardless of where they are politically, but seeing them just as a human that has emotion, that have emotions, and there is pain, and you're there as support, whether physically uh, supporting them by marching with them or listening to them or hearing their stories and repeating their stories. But overall, it's just a person that comes at this as a human being, part of the human race, but not as 
one person wearing, you know, one color shirt compared to another person wearing a different colored shirt, one side or the other, someone just existing within the plane of, of hearing the pain and doing what you can for them. Is that a pretty good job of summing you up? I think that's what makes us Americans, John. Wow. And, and uh, Carl from Yelm, we, next time we have you on again, if we have you on again, I have to hear about your Ramtha story that actually took you from Uh-oh. Christian to, to what? <laughs> what are you now? I, I would call it like a lowercase c Christian. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm a lowercase Okay. And it was really Rapha. It was really Rapha that did it? Yeah. Uh, but the other end of that is uh, my also, to add to what you had to say about me, which is wonderful. Thank you. Hope my mother's listening. Is um, uh, I have in mind toward the future. And my intent is that we can't arrive at the future if we're stuck in our past. And our future isn't going to exist if we destroy our present. So my biggest compassion is so that the future can exist as if somehow when it's time to load many universes, it's there right now saying, hey, don't mess it up for us because we want to like have a life. Mm. Well, that's great. Uh, I, I, I think those calls should be respected. Carl, thank you. Thank you for doing what you're All doing. Right. I, I really appreciate okay. it. All right. I'll tell Tina you said hi. All right. There we go. And by the way, uh, that's uh, four good questions we got, uh, both between your, yourself, Sherry, and me from Carl. So how about that? We'll put that in the book right there. Thank you, Sherry. That is very comforting to know Jesse's got my back. We need Jesse to get out here and jumpstart my tractor. And we're going to hmm. picking up probably eight inches of snow already in the last, I don't know, six hours. It's coming down. I'm not quite sick of it yet. Got a big plan on Friday night. I got I bought an air mattress at Fred Meyer. I brought little twinkle lights and a heater and a generator. And I'm going to drag Nick over to the little chapel. We're going to have like an outside <laughs> snow sleepover. Have you guys, how, how, what's up with the shower mm-hmm. situation? Uh, uh, what do you mean? You haven't had water since Friday, right? Yeah. You guys just no. not, not worrying about that? or, or you... We don't worry. We take care of those things okay. in a French way. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, Sherry? No. Judgey judge? Judgey no. judge? No, no, no. Uh, upstate New York man is arrested uh, and captured and released uh, or for capturing and releasing squirrels. We stand on this thing. There must be some sound no. on this guy. No. Okay. So the sound of a man capturing a squirrel. Okay. And then after he captures it, he spray paints it red and then releases the squirrel. That's it. Makes perfect makes perfect that's, sense to me. That's that's it. Uh, he was charged with three counts of poisoning and attempting to poison an animal. No idea why he did it. He didn't say why? Nope. Didn't say. He said he released them into other areas, but he didn't say where and he didn't say why he did it. 62-year-old man traps the squirrels in metal cages uh, and then dyes them apple red using spray paint. He was interviewed. He says, yeah, he says, yes, he does it, but doesn't explain why. 
I get, do you need a reason? And what kind of reason could he possibly give you? Be like, oh, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. All right, then. Off with you, sir. Maybe he was, like, uh, uh, super into squirrels, you know, like a naturalist, and he wanted to keep tabs on the family, see who's growing, you know. Okay, Joe, good. Good. When we capture you and put you in a cage for that (laughs) silly idea. Or or maybe he wants to find out if the squirrels are coming back to his property, so he tags them with the red paint to know if they're coming back. Yes, and then he knows. He's like, oh, there's one of them. What do I do with that information? <laughs> well, huh? I would huh? think the squirrels wouldn't be in very good, you know, that wouldn't be good. Because he thinks, well, oh, they're coming, they keep coming back. I, I mean, I had a neighbor who was really just, I mean, an animal lover, and he would trap the squirrels and, mm-hmm. t- and take them because they would eat his garden. So they would take them to a park or something and release them. Yes. And he was always wondering, do they love this place? Can they find their way back like a dog could find their way back? Uh-huh. And so this would identify these squirrels if that was what he was looking for. Okay. Huh. Well, that that makes perfect sense. Oh, my gosh. This just in. Apparently, the oldest dog from the Guinness World Book of Records is not the oldest the dog. for the world's oldest dog has been suspended by Guinness World Records amid an investigation. Oh. The 31-year-old dog named Bobby lived in a rural farm area in Portugal and received the title last February. Well, he passed away in October. Vets and other experts raised some suspicions about Bobby's age following his death. And now Guinness World Records is investigating the claims. Bobby's owner defends the title, saying the Guinness, uh, they've spent, they spent a year checking the record, and uh, he earned no money from the record. But I guess there are questions about a 31-year-old dog. Yeah. Maybe. That did sound like really old for that a dog. That seems kind of impossible. Yeah. I wish they would live that long. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. It also makes me sad that that's file video and that he's no longer with <laughs> I know. Us. No. I know. Bobby. No longer with us, Bobby. Oh, some clever crosstalk there with the anchors. <laughs> the dog would have been 217 if you count each year for a dog to be seven. It would be a 217-year-old dog. But Guinness World Book of Records is now suspending Bobo's record as the oldest dog in the world. Jerry, back to you. Thanks so much. Uh, interesting fact about uh, Bobby is that he would roam around the village in Portugal and made friends with just about everybody. He also only ate human food. And the way his owner would make sure that it wasn't too spicy is he would rinse off all the food or soak it in water to take care of any spiciness that might upset Bobby's digestive system. Because we know digestion is a very important <laughs> oh, part. Oh, here we go. Bobby's do- you know, got you know, Hold on. You don't hear me slipping in stuff about advanced hair or home comfort alliance in the middle of a news story, Sherry. You just, I, that, I was, was making... that was a direct play. That was a, no, Andrew, put her in the book for that. She's using valuable airtime to promote her dog's uh, feces. <laughs> put that in your book. Yeah, not my dog feces, but Bobby's feces. <laughs> no, no, you, no, you, no, no. What you did was you then you made it. I saw what you're doing. You're trying to bring it around to your 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 uh, your sponsor thing. Well, I mean, it's true. He would have to have had pretty good digestion in order to live 31 years. Now, what happens though? He gets bumped out, and this dog named Bailey, yeah. that died in 1939, takes his place because he lived 29 years. Oh, you mean Bluey? Gonna... Bluey? Oh, Bluey, yeah, yeah. Bluey, and. He, um, 
I guess for some reason they think those records are accurate. <laughs> right. There, there's a, a dog that's still alive named Spike who's 24 years old in 48 days. Chihuahua mix. Okay. Uh, let's leave this dog thing for a moment. I gave Joe a, uh, a job to do during the break. The guy from Detroit that cried because of his dad, the, the dad wasn't there to see the Lions win. Did you get in touch with the family? I got in touch. Well, I sent a message to his sister, and she was the okay. one who kind of got his name out there. Okay, and then I gave you his phone number. Did you get his phone number? No, that was two seconds before we came on air, so I haven't tried it yet. Okay, let's try it. Doing it. All right, dial it now, please. Is Joe doing that, or are you yeah, painting squirrel red? Yeah, he's walking in here wave? right now. Oh, he is? Okay. All right, let's see if it works. Yeah. I'd buy the guy the tickets. I went online to see. I'll buy him two tickets. So well, that's nice. Yeah. Why not? Joe's going to see if we get him on the phone. Maybe uh, maybe he's already got them, but it's nice. Oh, believe me, I look to see, because I'm not going to buy him tickets. If somebody's giving him tickets for free, but I would buy him tickets. I looked up online. They're not that expensive. When's the game? Saturday or Sunday? Uh, I think it's I think it's Saturday. I don't know. It's either one of the. It's coming up, Sherry. It's coming up. It's coming up real soon. Okay. It's either Saturday or Sunday. I'm sure he knows. He does. All right. Joe's going to call him. We'll see. And if we can get the Detroit Lions, the guy that cried because his dad wasn't at the game because his dad passed away. We always wanted to see the uh, Lions get into the playoffs. You know. In honor of the uh, of his father, we get him on the line. We'll buy those tickets for him. Are you going to kick in a couple of bucks, Sherry? Sure. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I see. Okay, psycho. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Here we go. It's the ongoing taunting of me. Still with my life ambition to get into the Guinness World Book of Records, Sherry, and that's why we talked about the oldest dog. And then finally, to sort of round it up, this is the um, is this the is this the longest or loudest nose whistle? This must be the another Guinness story, right? This is the woman, yeah, Guinness World Book of Records. So she's got a nose whistle. Oh, that reaches forty-four point one decibels, like a bird call. World records for the longest whistle, whistling music. Okay. So I didn't even know there was such thing as a nose whistle. Well, that's why this Guinness stuff is beginning to make me wonder a little bit. I mean, it, it just it seems so arbitrary, like these strange, weird things. But, yes, she's got the world's loudest nose whistle um, at 41.1 decibels. Part of her problem, her name, by the way, is Lulu Lotus. Uh-huh. Of course it is. Um, it's, she had to find the appropriate studio to be able to record this and have the Guinness people, you know, accept that documentation. Uh -huh. So she decided that she was going to choose uh, the theme from The Godfather. Oh, okay. To whistle along to. Nose whistle okay. along to. Let's see. So that would be uh, Speak Softly, My Love. No, 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 no. Right? I think that's what that is. Okay, here mm -hmm. we go. Ow, 
That doesn't sound like that song. Hang no, on. No, it she, doesn't. She, she, she's doing it right here. You know me. You definitely know that I have this skill because yeah. I just, I bother everyone with it. So a lot of people ask me how I can do it. I really don't know how to explain it other than I'm controlling some kind of muscles in my throat and the sound will either come out of my nose or my mouth. So I'll show you guys. Okay. There it is. Okay. Beethoven. Mm -hmm. That's Beethoven she's doing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, come on, Sherry. <laughs> Music major. She's raptured in the <laughs> nose whistle. They say it's as loud and slash annoying as bird calls. <laughs> she, she's been annoying people with this since she was seven. L Lulu Lotus has? Yeah. So um, here she is doing a nose whistle, and then Andrew, throw in the guy with the loudest burp. Okay. 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 Here we go. Uh... Because Sherry thinks all these Guinness things are stupid and arbitrary. I don't think all of them are stupid, but I, I think they make right? stuff up that's Sherry? never been... Okay. Are you going to play uh, it, John? Okay. Here we go. Ready? Yeah, I'm trying to play it now. My thing not working. All right. Hey, you happy now, Sherry? You happy? <laughs> oh! Ouch. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, oh okay, okay. Really, stop, stop, really stop, bad. stop, stop. God. Can you imagine those poor All right, people sir. in the studio? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. Okay, Andrew, Andrew. God. It's like a kid. It's like a kid in there. Um, it's... The I thought the nose whistle was something that Garrison Keillor had that he, that whenever he would get too close to the microphone, he had that weird sort of nose whistle as he was talking. Some of the old men get Isn't old it? weird nose whistles because they either got too much hair or some boogie or something stuck up there. I thought it was something you'd not be proud of. <laughs> huh? um, yeah, or it's that this kind of whistle that happens with your mouth. <laughs> so okay. let me tell you a story come on now come on okay sh hold okay. hold on a second <laughs> sorry uh by the way update on the detroit lions fan joey joe got him on the phone he can't come on and by the way he had great news which is what the detroit lions are going to give him yeah. everything he's got a meeting a tomorrow morning yes, with the okay. team and they're going to take really good care of him Okay, yeah. See that? So, well. Good. Did he did he say thank you though for the offer? Oh, he definitely did. Oh, that's nice. God smiled on me and realized maybe it wouldn't be the smartest thing to spend fifteen hundred dollars on a pair of Detroit Lions tickets <laughs> for a guy we don't even know. I, <laughs> but I was ready to go, Sherry. I know you were. Just had a hide. I was ready. I was ready hide to it. support you. Just, just had to hide it from Nick. Emotionally. <laughs> now, yeah, now, she, what is what is this on the American Express? What is this? Like, ah, come on. You know what? Who cares? Right? That's my new attitude. Who cares? Yeah. I thought you were mostly generous in the morning. Okay, I see the fingers. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs>